Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, decisions I will come to regret, welcome back to Cage Match, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. That's how you do a segue. It's just the intro. <laughs> just the intro, bud. Don't you know, your... by season two, I think you'll, you'll get segues. I'll finally understand what a segue is. We can use all that sweet, sweet Patreon money to hire someone to write segues. <laughs> just oh, a ghostwriter for segues. Just out of any kind of situation you might imagine. It's like we're talking about like... Uh, roasting chestnuts with like behind your balls though and that's how we get into like ghost rider somehow exactly like, i want the montage of like the training montage of sean learning how to segue though like just the different <laughs> situations and him fucking up and figuring it out yeah while, so like you're the best writing a segue though because i would pay a lot of money to see sean write a segue cage match colon a roundabout way of meeting nicholas cage where we take 64 of Nicolas Cage's best movies, and we'll figure out what the best is eventually. Maybe. We'll see. Cagest? Bestest. Um, you can totally take a look at the bracket on our website, though. Cagematch.fun. Uh, yes. We are your host. Boom, that's a fucking plug. Nice. <laughs> we're for the thing they're listening to. Yeah. We're, we're your host, Sean. Oh, and I'm Nick. And I am producer Peter. And this week we have a special guest, my favorite person and sometimes arch nemesis. Meredith slash Mayor. I'm Sean's ex-spouse, and we still like each other enough to talk. <laughs> it's true. And be on my podcast, apparently. To be fair, I did kind of strong arm my way onto this podcast, because as soon as you were like, me and Peter and Nick are doing this podcast about Nick Cage movies, I literally was like, as soon as you do The Rock, I have to be on it because it's a perfect film and I love it very much and it's very special to me. And if you don't let me on your podcast, I do know where you live. You actually don't now, though. Bitch, I have access to your Amazon account. I know exactly where the fuck you live. Oh, damn, that's true. All right. How do you think I got your address to send you divorce papers? Oh, now I'm sad. Right. <laughs> Actually, that brings it back around, and I'm feeling a lot better about this now. Are you feeling well, good keep... about this? Okay, great. You can edit all of that out, no, by the keep, way. Keep that, keep that in. I, I, <laughs> this is going to be easier than me writing a suicide letter. That's fair. <laughs> Um, your suicide letter will actually just be directions for somebody to listen to this so we get one more listen out of your desk it's gonna be a it's gonna be a QR code motherfucker you have to subscribe to the podcast to get the suicide note that's good also rate and review (laughs) yeah please yeah it's important Uh, also Meredith is still the one person who's like giving us a written review yeah much appreciated if anyone wants to write us another review except for that guy who said Sean makes Meg Ryan look like uh, blonde Robert Downey Jr. That is also a review. I do count and that it as was a review. Right. It, yeah. was a, it was a Reddit review, but it counts as five stars in my heart. Okay. This week we are discussing cinematic masterpiece The Rock and cinematic Cin- cinema Bangkok Dangerous. Uh, cinematic malware. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> when we did our episode zero, uh, <laughs> Sean sort of foisted Bangkok Dangerous on us. It a, is as starring Nicolas Cage. And I am pretty furious at him. I'm so mad. I was watching Bangkok Dangerous and I was just like, you fucker, you absolute fucker. I know this was Sean's pick. I know it was. Fuck him. What is wrong with you, Sean? What is wrong with you as a human being? I mean, you're the one who married me. 
I didn't even make it through the whole movie. Oh, man. I found out how to make it through it today. It's just bubble bath, really big sandwich. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just dunk it up. It's just, I have nothing but bad things to say about this film, so I just can't wait to get into it. Sean, why don't you do a synopsis? That's a segue, <laughs> motherfucker. So, Bangkok Dangers from 2008. Joe is an assassin, getting ready to hang up the old spurs, as it were. Goes to Bangkok for one last job to kill four people along the way. Makes a friend. Meets a deaf woman or a mute woman. Both. Oh, yeah. And then learns a, a lesson and then kills himself. That's Bangkok Dangerous. Okay, so how about The Rock? <laughs> yeah, can we talk about The Rock now for the next hour? No, we need to get through this. It's a shitty movie. It's shitty and I hated it. <laughs> Isn't it like a remake? It's a remake of a yeah. 1999 film. Same director. Oh my God, wait. They only waited nine years before remaking this movie? Yeah, yep. same directors. It was their first film. Not even long enough to learn their own lesson. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pang Brothers. I'm it was wondering... their first and second. I don't want to go and see if the first one's actually any good. Probably not. It's not. I haven't seen it, but I'll just go ahead and say it's not. <laughs> I mean, these brothers do have a fairly long filmography. Just because you've done something a lot of times doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it. Like, I've Yeah, baked. fucking Paul Schrader. <laughs> Paul Schrader. Like, I've baked before. I've made a lot of cookies. Were they edible? Absolutely not. We've seen worse. In terms of quality of movie, in terms of quality of cage, it's slow, it's meandering, you don't like any of the characters, but it's not like the worst thing that's ever been committed to film. It's just a bad movie, It's though. not good, but Could it's I not just like, have, like painful. Three movies that are worse than Bangkok Dangerous. In, dog Eat Dog. Yeah, in the Nick yeah. Cage universe. The Schraders. Yeah. And uh, Left Behind. Left Behind. Those are Yeah, the Dog Eat Dog, Left Behind. Although I would take... Mm, I would take Dog Eat Dog over Bangkok Dangerous for sure. I think we established like recently, like I kind of put Bangkok Dangerous, Left Behind, and City of Angels all on the same note. Oh, yeah. I think the whole thing for me on this one is just the movie's not interesting. It's not no. well scripted and there's nothing for him to work with. Give me a movie that makes me mad or frustrated or sad or joyous. This movie was the worst because it made me feel nothing. Yeah, That's it's fair. just a waste of time. You could literally be doing anything else. And it's a movie that's essentially like it, it was like his John Wick back in 2008. OK, uh, well, that's the one thing I actually want to talk about, because this is just I want to talk Hong about Kong. John Wick, too. It was a lot better. It was. No, this was just like this is Hong, Hong Kong, like action cinema, hard boiled that era of film but done by amateurs you know this one just has the fortune of having nicholas cage this one does have the best disarming sequences we've seen in a nick cage movie though where he actually takes off a dude's arm with a motorboat well that in general is the only good scene the and slow speed chase yeah oh every boat chase is a slow boat chase I don't care like how fast the boats are actually going. There's no like exciting way to have boats just traveling on water unless you jump it off of something or boat through something. And we got both of those in face off. And <laughs> that was a way better movie I was with also... a way better boat chase. Uh, this true. boat chase was fine, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that should be that should go on the back of the box. <laughs> this boat chase was fun. The whole statement. Yes, the whole everything. I also just want to point this out in terms of where we're at in Cage's career. This was right after Book of Secrets. 
So we're really getting to that era of he owes uh, the government money. Mm-mm. That's what I thought the whole f- the whole movie. I was like, Nick, my man, you are going through something. It is obviously financial. You clearly are in the middle of a breakdown just based on your hair. Oh, yeah, this is peak bird hair. <laughs> the zero chemistry between him and the pharmacist lady oh charlie young was not as distracting as his own hair that was on (laughs) his head i I got used to his hair though the thing that i hate the most about his speaking of his relationship with the the deaf mute pharmacist lady the sign language they use for her is so juvenile it's the best part when he's like doing the like finger thing. Oh, the rain. Which is the not sexual. Thing. You can see it. Again, this is this is a audio formatted podcast. Okay, people. for no, everybody. We're about to get into the dumbest <laughs> hand motion portion of the podcast. Just describe all your hand motions, please. Okay, yeah. so I'm like pointing my fingers down and like wiggling them as I like move them down like from near my face to near my chest. Nicholas Cage's character is in this woman's mother's home who also seems to be her boss i i I couldn't i couldn't i couldn't figure it out but is like doing this weird finger waggle motion at each other and it's like oh your name means rain and it was just like what the fuck is going on right now you don't know her name you've been on like what like five dates with this woman and she's just sat silently smiling at you Perfect for the patriarchy. Fuck all of you. I hated this movie. <laughs> My favorite was- sign language was definitely like when he first asked her out and he like goes in. He's like, <laughs> oh, I want to I want to ask her to dinner. Will you ask her to dinner for me? And the old lady just turns and she makes the stupidest like points at her, the girl, points at Nick Cage, brings two fingers like together and then mimes eating. <laughs> it's like, wow, couldn't have done that myself. What I love in terms of their communication arc is right before things hit the fan where they're walking through the park, she <laughs> hands him a note that's written in English that she's, you know, happy. And then she as has she's great handwriting, too. Great handwriting. Cursive and everything. So you guys could have just been writing to each other the whole time. She can write in English so she understands it. You work at a pharmacy. You've got a pad and pencil. Yeah, <laughs> so like, just have it with yeah. you. When text Nick each Cage other. went into the when Nick went into the pharmacy the first time for like the cut on his arm, and she just like goes up to him and then he like smiles at him. Asks for something, and she just sits there and stares at him, smiling like an idiot not making any motion to indicate that she can't hear, that she can't speak his language. Nothing, just like stares at him like a dummy. And the the other lady, supposedly the mother, just lets it happen. And she just looks like a fool. Obviously, people that are like deaf and mute can definitely work whatever job they want. However, every person I have ever worked with who signs has always usually had like on their badge like i use asl or something and is typically someone that is factored into their job they are not necessarily the greeter and the first <laughs> they don't line work the drive-through of yeah. customer service <laughs> defense 
Like, yeah. what in the I mean, this fuck? is also Thailand, and this was like an open-air pharmacy where the lady out front seemed to be grinding up crabs at one point. She was like 100%. just boiling them. Yes, smashing those fuckers. I don't think uh, declaring your inability to speak on your chest was a really a thing. Perhaps not. Perhaps everybody in the neighborhood just knew, like, oh, she'll just go up and stare at you until you vaguely and weirdly <laughs> mime at her with your weird hair looming over her because you're like six <laughs> four and she's like five two. He's like six nine with that hair though. Dude, it brings a whole mood to his character that I was just like, you tall, lanky bastard. Like, what the fuck? Also, just in all of the chase scenes when they're like looking for him and he's like, I'll put on a baseball hat. I'm like, you're a foot taller than everyone in your surroundings. Yeah. And white. And white. Also, not a great assassin because he never wears gloves. His fingerprints Ever. are on everything. Yeah, this movie was pointless. It had zero redemption of anything. But there was one line in it that I did like, which was basically anybody can kill a politician. And I was like, that is an inspirational quote, Nick Cage. Thank you. <laughs> also, his sidekick Kong was dumb as well. Everybody in this movie was dumb. So I, I kind of just jumped ahead to the end. Does it actually end with Kong just dancing in a field or something? Like what? Yeah, just sta- well, just standing like, yeah, uh, on like by the bank. Cool. But right before that, like Nick Cage takes out the mob boss who hired him and then gets in the car with him and then blows both their brains out for reasons that are never explored. Yeah, he decided to have a very high profile gunfight in the vicinity of a bunch of cops and then didn't realize how that was going to go. But there was that boat chase, and that was okay. We're hanging it all on the okay boat chase. Yeah, it was an okay was boat there. chase. It was fine. And again, that great disarmament scene where he uses the motorboat to, like, yeah. take off a guy's arm. That was the best part like about it. Pun. I do. Hence why we're doing this podcast. I'm assuming I know where this is going to go, but I have to ask a good cage, bad cage, good movie, bad movie. Yeah, this is bad on both sides. Bad cage, bad movie. Bad cage, bad movie. Bad cage, bad cage. I mean, your your thumbs down was pretty pretty Again. emphatic, but no one can see it. Audio. No one can see it. Audio format. I was waiting for Sean to shut up so I could give my opinion. <laughs> We've all been this waiting for be Sean to shut up. That's like half the podcast. That's true. Well, Everybody gotta... waiting for me to talk. God, if we could only fast forward through this Sean stuff. I have the power to just entirely remove him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird if it was just me and like, I'm obviously having a conversation, but there's no Sean. This is like Garfield minus Garfield. This is starting starting to become hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back to Cage Match. I'm Nick with my producer, Peter. Hello. That's it. This is all of us. (laughs) (laughs) The full roster. Why do I ask you guys to do things with me? (laughs) You did this to you. I know. I don't know why. Let's just crank out like a quote real quick and get the hell off this movie. I don't even have a quote for this Yeah, I know. It's so not quotable. I'm just going to pick one. Uh, So on IMDb, Joe narrating, you stay invisible too long. The human race starts to look like another species. So you venture out, you observe, and then you return to your invisible world like a ghost. It's just bad. Yeah, I didn't have a quote for this one, but I will say on the hair topic, it reminded me of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. So then I went and I watched Loki instead, and that was a better choice. <laughs> oh, better. Yeah, bum 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 bum. Welcome to the Rock.
All right, Meredith, this is your favorite movie. Go. Oh my God, this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's a pun within a pun. That's it. That's all that needs to be said. It is peak Michael Bay. It is peak Nick Cage. It is peak stupid action movie. It is peak car chases in San Francisco that are absurd. It is just... Uh, and that's like, I didn't even mention Sean Connery in those things. And he is also a delight. It's just the best. So real quick, Nicolas Cage plays Stanley Goodspeed. Good name. Good. Yeah. Uh, Sean Connery is John Patrick Mason. And Ed Harris plays General Francis X. Hummel. And then there's a bunch of other people. Too. And there's a lot of people in this. Yeah. Most of them good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got Dr. Cox. Yeah. John C. McGinley's in it. This was just the best mid to late 90s action supporting character mashup of all of these guys that I feel like were in every single action movie from like 1995 to 2002 as sort of tertiary characters and they're all fantastic. Meredith, when did you see this? Did you see it when you were, you know, whatever, 12? This movie came out. You would have been six when you came came out. (laughs) A perfect movie for a six year old. (laughs) So we had the VHS of it when I was seven, the year after it came out. And I watched this movie probably once a week for like four years i love this movie from the ages of seven to like 10 or 11 that is so much like my relationship with the movies men in tights and stripes but stripes because there was a shower scene and men in tights because it's hilarious (laughs) yep confirmed Men in Tights is golden. I wore those tapes out. I'm not even kidding you. I have a distinct memory of my parents having a dinner party when I was like seven or eight or something. And they were all like talking and laughing and whatever. And I was like, can I be excused? And they were like, yes, get out of here, child. We're going to go continue drinking and talking. Be gone, young one. (laughs) And I asked my brother, I was like, do you want to watch The Rock? And he was like, hell yeah. And so we just sat in the living room and like watched the VHS of The Rock while our parents were like having a lovely dinner party. And I was just like, this is so cool. Meredith, this is again your favorite film and you're our guest. So why don't you expand on It Rocks. Break this film down for us. Okay. Ed Harris is mad about war stuff with Marines Mm -hmm. because they're forgotten by the government. What's the only way that he can solve this problem? By stealing weapons chemical weapons from some kind of facility i think a chemical weapons facility Uh, probably a chemical if i had to guess nick i would say it's a chemical weapons facility but i'm not sure but let's go we're not scientists like let's go with that so then ed harris and all of his crazy ass mercenary terrorists take over alcatraz island with a bunch of tourists on it in a bid to get the government to pay money to the Marines that were forgotten on like a secret mission. It doesn't make like a ton of sense that this would be like the best way to make this happen. But Ed Harris is very convincing and he has a bunch of dudes that he's convinced to do it. And then what? It's Washington, D.C. Nick Cage is in a chemical lab 
there's this VX gas. But it's crazy. He has to go to San Francisco to, because there's these chemical weapons. Oh, my God. But then they're like, it's Alcatraz. We can't get into Alcatraz. There's no way. No one's ever gotten out. And then one guy's gotten out, but he's blacklisted. Blah. He doesn't exist. Who is it? It's fucking Sean Connery with long hair. And he's amazing. And then Nick Cage and Sean Connery and a bunch of Marines who all die infiltrate Alcatraz. They get like, what is the thing I'm doing right now with my hands? Shot. Shot. They get shot. Also, Michael Bean played the lead uh, seal. Basically, the rest of the movie is Nick Cage and Sean Connery interacting, being the best. And then they like save the day and whatever. That might be our best synopsis. You guys make notes. <laughs> that was really fucking good. Thank you. You know, everyone at this table knows I don't learn. I was playing Minesweeper. <laughs> Did you win? No, that's why my computer made noises. <laughs> Somehow, I'd never seen this film. What? Until now? What? Yes. As an adult? Yeah. No, and I... And you were married to Meredith? There are reasons. How? Well, How? Well, Wait, Sean, We never watched this together. You never shared this uh, uh, this thing with me. You're getting second divorced. This is grounds. I just, I must have assumed that you'd already seen it because again, it's a perfect film. Mostly, I think I've tried to watch it and the first 10 minutes, I always bounced off of just the Michael Bay slow strokes of the military industrial complex. Yeah, Michael Bay, man, this is such a, like you just watch it and you're like straight out of the Michael Bay playbook. Everything being shot at a low angle, kind of up while spinning around people talking. But that's how you know it's serious. He apparently turned down this movie six months like earlier because he didn't think the script was serious enough. They are talking about annihilating the entire Bay Area with a chemical weapon because 85 people didn't get recognized because they did some shady government shit like it's unhinged that also dates this movie in that if that were to take place now and the government was like well california is gonna go away more than half the government be like that's all right i will say this was a very pre-9-11 pre-rise of visible white nationalist military groups pre a lot of things that we could say are currently plaguing our country. But I will say there was a certain pure delight in that of like, these are dudes, they're mad about a thing and they're going to do something totally fucking insane. And isn't that fun? And also like collateral damage. What is that? We're the government. (laughs) We don't care. I guess the most collateral damage would be the car chase through San Francisco. An entirely worthless scene. Like needless. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun car chase, but it's a needless scene to the film. Actually causes some issues with the character of Nick Cage, who isn't a field agent, isn't supposed to be an action guy, and kind of, that's his arc, but he can, you know, drive that Lamborghini through San Francisco like it's nothing. He, like, jumps it through a fucking shop window. Yeah. Fun fact. Which uh, is cool. In that car chase scene, the Humvee that uh, Sean Connery steals, the guy who he steals it from, same actor that Ed Harris steals a car from in... National Treasure 2. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, a that's a Bruckheimer connection. That's a Bruckheimer connection. This is one of five Bruckheimers that we'll watch for this. It's Nick Cage's first time working with Bruckheimer. That also the last time he, Bruckheimer yeah. worked with his uh, producing partner. They had a falling out due to drugs. 
who was doing them, who was buying them or selling them, and who wasn't uh, sharing. Not Brockheimer. I don't remember what the guy's other name was. Yeah, it's probably the guy that didn't continue a career. <laughs> if if there's one guy that like really suffered negatively from the drug connection, it's probably the guy we don't know the name of. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, this is the start of peak Nick Cage action hero, though, because his next two films were Con Air and Face Off. So this kicked Good off movies. an era. For him. And before this, he was like mostly still in the comedy, sometimes drama thing. Like we had Red Rock West, which is more in the comedy. Yeah, Red Rock West was definitely. It, I mean, it wasn't comedy, but it was. Well, it was sort of. Like it a was a comedy of dark errors. comedy yeah. farce. Yeah. And this was the next movie after his Oscar win. This came out right after leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, he was really in the pocket right here. Yeah, this is some of his best stuff. That's what I mean. It's peak. He actually gives a shit. He's actually clearly acting and invested and is extremely funny and charming. Again, with the exception of the weird car chase, consistent to his character. He was the one who decided his character didn't swear. Oh, that's right. There was a little bit of swearing in this movie. Yeah, but he just gives like a, a G and a golly. Zeus's butthole. He, he grabs Sean Connery and says, hey, a-hole. And I was like, just say ass, my man. Come on. What do you say we cut the chit-chat? A-hole. Yes. <laughs> I like when people say fucking A. Once they introduce Sean Connery, they give Connery most of the best usual cage lines. It isn't really till the third act where Nick Cage really starts caging out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is the whole thing where he goes off about how LPs sound better, which is just the best. And also, another thing that made me be like, how has Sean not seen this movie? This is Sean. He also, it's uh, the Beatles. I think it's with the Beatles. Sure, yes, that. Because he's, Be- he's a Beatles file. No, he's a Beatlemaniac. Beatlemaniac, that's it. Kind of like a Hulkamaniac, but Hulkamania is still running wild. <laughs> and nobody it? remembers it's the Beatles. It's never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I tell you something, brother. I think you'll understand. I mean, that was like a good, I give you a 73 for that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I give it a 69. <laughs> oh, nice. Gave you a lower score than me. <laughs> but a funnier score. Yeah. yeah. A funny, a uh, much funnier my, score, objectively. That's my ex-wife, everybody. Hey. Did you guys ever listen? Speaking of uh, Hulk Hogan, did you guys ever listen to the Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band? No. With such ba- oh, yeah, he played bass. Awesome. He had such bangers as uh, I want to be a Hulkamaniac having fun with my family and friends. And then like some other shit. Wrestling used to be holy weird. shit. I Dude. love everything about this. Yeah. Of all the celebrities to just have a band, Hulk Hogan is the best. Like, fuck Steven Seagal. <laughs> I want to see Hulk Hogan. So and the Hulkamaniacs. I would just love to hear you continue to sing some of their greatest <laughs> hits from their catalog. Oh, I know. I've got a voice like honey. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, that's for the Patreons. Ooh, yeah. We should do a special song episode. <laughs> and that's how we lose all our Patreons. I mean, they don't have to listen, Sean. They can just stop and no, keep you, giving us money. If you start a clip, you have to play it through yeah. to the end. Oh, that's, yeah. that's how we know you listened. Right back to malware. It just plays immediately at full volume and there's no way to <laughs> shut it down. They won't let you do that anymore. Google, stop that. Ugh, lame. <laughs> Fucking Google. Let me force the podcast on people. How do you think this movie would have gone uh, if it got its original uh, lead, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger. As yeah. a scientist? As, yeah, in, as Nick Cage's role. He was offered it originally, turned it down, and then later regretted it. I mean, he's correct on that choice. I mean, this was also that kind of peak time where Arnold Schwarzenegger was just playing an average guy who happened to be a giant. Mm-hmm. Like, Jingle All the Way. Um, twins. But, like, Nick Cage is such a gangly weirdo <laughs> that I was yeah. like, it's actually believable that he would be a scientist. Exactly. And a Beatlemaniac. Also, though, if we're tracking Nick Cage's chest and body hair, my God. Oh, we are. There's some disagreement as to why he he has his, like, naked in his apartment scene. Michael Bay says, we knew Nick Cage would want to take his shirt off, so we just got it out of the way. And Nick Cage's reasoning was, well, I just wanted to show that my character was, like, comfortable at home. (laughs) He was very comfortable. Just another tiny plot note, because, like, there is one woman in this film. There's actually a couple women in this film. I mean, there's, like, a few, but, like, this movie is not for the ladies. I'll just say it so you guys don't get canceled. I mean, again... We had mostly naked uh, Nick Cage in like the first 15 minutes. That was for the ladies. That was for me. (laughs) That was for Peter (laughs) exclusively. Okay, they live in Washington, D.C., Nicolas Cage Mm -hmm. and his romantic... Uh, paramour and they very casually are fucking on their roof and i was like i don't know of a single part of washington dc that is not densely populated to the point that i would feel comfortable fucking on my roof hey they're exhibitionists don't yuck their head exactly rude you didn't hear the inuit clap at the end though so (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know nick cage is done god damn it as the heat from their bodies slowly melts the ice in the igloo disgusting (laughs) i love memories by nick cage (laughs) yeah that's a callback to last episode go listen to that one if you want to get the reference I do want to talk about a little, a few behind the scenes things for The Rock, though, because oh, no, there's a lot there's, of there's wacky stuff. Talk about. Um, Wait, before Sean... we even talk about the behind the scenes stuff, let's talk about the in the scenes oh. stuff. Yeah, we really haven't talked we about, talk this about movie. the movie at all. Like, it, well, I, I want to talk about the fucking weapon. The hold green, on. The green orbs. Dude, the green <laughs> yeah, the orbs anal beads. are so cool. They're so cool. I wanted those things so bad. And there was a store in Kansas City when I was growing up that was for like rich old white people. And they had something that looked like that. And it was just supposed to sit in like a vase on your coffee table. And I wanted them so bad, but I had no money because I was 12. Peter, similar to you, I had these like from like Bath and Body Works or something. Because again, it was the mid to late 90s. The like bubble bath orb things. And because my dad is a real jokester and knew I loved The Rock, told me that those bubble bath things were poisonous <laughs> i awesome. love your father yeah you want your skin to get all bubbly and fall off yeah Use exactly those things. that's what he told me and i was like why would my father ever lie to me he would never do that those must be poison and so i lived in fear of these bubble bath orbs in my my bathroom and a similar story about john my father shortly uh shortly after our separation i got an unmarked box in the mail and inside was just like a rusted canister. <laughs> I called John. I'm like, and I saw it came from um, where uh, Meredith and I used to live. And I just, I'm like, I'm going to call John, see if this was him. And he didn't pick up. So I called Meredith and Meredith's like, mm, does it say like Gotham Gasworks on it? And I'm like, I didn't touch it. And I like turned it over and it did. Cause John liked to get me like Gotham Batman related things. I'm like, Oh, this makes sense. Card would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. So you lived in the Bay Area. Yes. Did either of you ever go to Alcatraz? Yeah. 
No. Once. Does it have as many chains as they show in this movie? I mean, not in the places that they allow you to go. There Lame. are so many decorative chains in this film. It is like a BDSM shoot at kink.com. Absolutely. Which also used to be in the Bay Area. Which also used to be in the Bay Area. It used to be in the Armory. Um, where in Soma, <laughs> like near our school, near our college that we went to. Um, no, just going back to uh, Alcatraz real quick. The powers that be, the producers wanted this film to be done on a soundstage in L.A. with just a few shots of Alcatraz to kind of sell it as San Francisco. Michael Bay was quoted as saying, I got to shoot on the island because this island is so fucking bitchin'. <laughs> That's a very Michael Bay thing to have said. Yes. Sean Connery lived on the island for the shoot. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sean Connery had them build a cabin on the island for him to live on because he didn't want to commute to and from the city every day. I just imagine him like bathing in that gross ass cistern. <laughs> I just imagine him in Zardoz and that's the only <laughs> thing I ever picture him in. That movie's gold. I There was one day, I think it was when Sean and I were in college and we were talking about Sean Connery and we were on the like bus to go to school and I said something about Zardoz. I was like, oh, yeah, Connery and Zardoz, the man of my dreams. And Sean was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, everybody on this whole bus, shut up. <laughs> We're I, about to talk about Zardoz. And I pulled up the photo of like Sean Connery in his like oh, sexy yeah. ass bikini with his like bulge and the braid and the whole thing. Yeah, and I ponytail. The whole thing. And Sean was just like. What? what like it broke <laughs> it broke your brain like i could see it happening and i was so proud yeah that's the man that my parents decided to name me after yes it is oh yeah and what a man good but choice good choice yeah respect yes so i grew up around the bay area obviously sean and i went to school there sean is from there it was very sweet to see late 90s San Francisco again. I was like, oh, my God, the San Francisco of my youth, not the one that is crowded with tech bros wearing fucking Patagucci jackets and whatever. That chase sequence would be much different right now with the current traffic in that city. So the chemistry of Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage cannot be denied. It's perfect. Oh, make this movie. It's amazing. It's Absolutely. perfect. It's good. What did you guys think of the, uh, the old Hans Zimmer score? I don't remember it. Yeah, none of it actually strikes me as memorable. The only moment that is vaguely memorable score-wise is when Nick Cage like has jabbed himself in the heart with atropine at the very end of the film and is like You mean when he jabs himself in the stomach with it? I mean, yeah, yeah right, it was exactly. like yeah, it was like in his diaphragm. I was like, "Bro, do you know where your heart is? <laughs> You're a scientist." And he like goes out with the two flares and it's like Da, 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 and it's amazing and there's like blue angels are coming in and it's like oh god and the music swells and it's just like peak testosterone and it's really great this was the era of final fantasy 8 was coming out there was a demo disc that got bundled with a game called brave fencer musashi mm -hmm. i don't know if any of you guys played that one I, I remember i remember this game and i remember this disc yeah and the demo has the beginning of, the, of final fantasy 8 is like a landing scene where you're landing on an island and it's a big military move yeah and the music on that demo disc ripped this score off so fucking bad that they had to change it for the actual release of the game. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. That's my fun fact.
Let's uh, talk about Ed Harris's villain, because he's really good in this. And he's always the villain, though. Oh, what about Apollo 13? I think that's good Ed Harris. He's just such a good villain, though. He has intense face. You know how some people have resting bitch face? He just has like resting intense face. He's like the dad you don't respect. My problem is I always envision him wearing a Kangol hat. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Kangols. And... Oh, now I'm thinking about Kegels. No, not, not Kangols and Kegels. Kangol. Like a Kegel like hat. Like Why do you Jackson put a hat wear? on it? You know a Kegel? Do the Kegels hold the hat in place? Yeah, you, you know a the Kegel hat, place, hat where you do Kegels but with your head? Yeah, just... No, you can actually just suck a hat off of someone's head. Yeah, with the power of your Kegels. Use your pelvic can you imagine floor, somebody, Nick. Can you imagine somebody ziplining over you and then just kegeling <laughs> your hat right off? This and then they zip away. This is what John fears every day and of his life. And you're just like, shock and bra, but you're really sad because you lost your hat. Hell of a story, though. Oh, man, would no be. one would believe you. Yeah, nobody would. <laughs> but no, uh, Ed Harris, like, really good in this. And also, he's doing this for the right reasons. And he, at the end, he even kind of, you know, oh, we bluffed and they, you know, they called it. So he was never going to blow up uh, the Bay Area. Yeah. No, at one point, they said, he's although apparently not, not a Raiders fan, because the one missile they do fire, they sent to uh, Oakland for, to the football game. Uh, they were going to the baseball game. It was the Giants, not... Uh... No, it was in Oakland, though. It was in Oakland, so it would be the A's. No, but they said, no, uh, they said they the said the football they... game. We're going to fact check this shit. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I will just say that I know it wasn't the Coliseum because the seats were red. The seats were red. And Oko does not have red seats. They do of not. Of people to know about this, you would be one of those people to know. Yeah. I have sat in those seats. I know they're not. Nick has just been on the internet trying to prove his point. Yeah, I heard him tapping away. I was curious what was yeah. going on. Nick. I was wrong. It wasn't a baseball game, but it was Candlestick Park. Weird, because that is not in Oakland. No, it's not. It's no, it's in... not. I mean, it was also all CG as well. You mean they didn't just launch and abort <laughs> a, a missile filled with sarin gas? Cowards. Fucking cowards. cowards. I mean, Either way, those stadiums are right next to each other, so it doesn't really matter. Well, the other thing that I love, too, just like if you're from the Bay Area, they're talking about how they're going to launch a missile at San Francisco. It's at San Francisco, San Francisco. And then the first missile they launch, they send that shit to Oakland. Who else is in this film? Michael Bean's in this film for a bit. He's fun. The most, you know, scrawny action hero there is. Who was he? Who is he? He was... Hicks in Aliens. He was in Terminator. John Connor's dad yeah. or whatever. In... I can't remember his name in the first Terminator. Yeah, I can't remember either. Kylo Reese. No, I mean, who was he in, in this film that we're talking about? He was the about? leader of the, um, the SEALs, Seals. Yeah. when they came in. He was always like, I can't give that order. I won't give that order. Oh. When they get shot in the shower. I just love Michael Bean. So whenever I see him in something, I'm like, hey, it's Michael Bean. One of my random actor notes is I wrote, uh, slick hair, little mustache. Um, <laughs> oh. That was a, a guy named Paxton who was played by William Forsythe, who the last time we saw him, he was playing John Goodman's brother in Raising Arizona. Yeah. So uh, I do want to just make sure we get in here. Uh, Sean Connery got like the entire crew uh, sick. With what? So uh, all... Herpes! <laughs> <laughs> all of the... Uh, so when they were doing all the water scenes, interior water scenes, Sean Connery wanted the water to be heated to 90 degrees 
And then like everyone got the stomach flu and doctors were just like, yeah, that's a fucking Petri dish that you made there. In Someone the pooped in the water. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just, yeah. That's bad just it was like, Sean Connery. <laughs> that's He's like, just sitting there like. <laughs> a th- that's like a thing in food Fuck you, safety. Womack. <laughs> of like under 40 degrees and above whatever, like 140 degrees, like bacteria can't survive but anything that's between like 41 degrees and 139 degrees like bacteria thrives sean connery stop it where where do we fall on uh is is uh is he james bond or not 100 percent. you know this theory i kind of right? dig this theory walk, walk us through it though but There's the whole like premise whole... is sean connery yeah. is or uh you know uh his character mason was an sas agent caught at the canadian border with some microfiche of all of america's you know dirty secrets and then was disappeared because he never told them where it was. So he's just been on like a black site for 30 years with like no trial. The British haven't claimed him because they couldn't. And the U.S. like can't acknowledge that they have him. And it lines up, you know, he would have been arrested like the year after his last James Bond movie would have taken place. And I think that is largely it. I Can we just say he is? And then yeah, it becomes yeah. canon uh, in the Cageiverse? I'm cool with that. Well, especially because the NCU is a multiversal concept, as we mm-hmm. now know. Well, also, this movie ends at the start of National Treasure. Yeah, right? Literally. It does tie in. Like, the movie ends with Nick Cage and his new, uh, new newlywed wife going to a church and stealing the leg off a pew, which had the microfilm in it. And like the last line of the film is Nick Cage being like, Hey honey, you want to know who killed JFK? The best. So yeah, this movie just leads right into a uh, national treasure because then he's like, I don't need to be a government chemical scientist anymore. I need to go find this goddamn treasure that the United States has been hiding. And I'm so- changing my name to Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Michael Bay did have, an idea for a sequel to this where Nick Cage's character, Stanley, is on the run from the government because of the microfiche, and he has to go track down Mason to, like, help him get away. I'm glad they didn't do it. I'm glad they didn't do it. National Treasure is perfect as a sequel to this. I just love also that this is, like, the quintessential 90s one-off action movie that is not concerned with the collateral damage it's not concerned really with the outcome it's just like we're gonna go blow some shit up in the san francisco bay area is everybody on board great let's go all right so where do you put this on the performance review then good cage good movie good cage good movie yeah that's fine (laughs) (laughs) wow nick you're dead to me this has been my favorite action film so far yeah nick you have but you've actually been kind of quiet on this one what what are your feelings on this flick i think it's It's the kind of movie where, like, it's great nostalgically. But then when I started to, like, critically watch it and, like, it doesn't have as much peak to me as it does just in my memory. I'm sorry the science doesn't hold up as well as Face Off. Yeah. Penis swapping technology. Penis swapping technology. No, I I think... You know, I've come around on that. I think they are actually uh, penis twins. I think they're dick twins. Travolta and Cage. Oh, okay. I was thinking Sean Connery. (laughs) No. I mean... Maybe. They had great chemistry. Can you have dick triplets? So. Let's ask Eric. <laughs> what? You, you you would know what a trip dick is, right? <laughs> so would Meredith. Yeah, so a like trip would know. Dick? A, a yeah, a trip dick. A trip dick of oh, yeah. bonk, bonk, like bonk. all three like 
It would just Dick be the same twins picture, or though. whatever. But I mean, different thighs. <laughs> yeah, Dicks right. would all be the same, but their thighs would be different. I kind of want to make that. And you can put That's that in the funny. entrance. And then, oh, underneath, you can just have like the live, laugh, love. <laughs> I just really want to go down a, a line of what I think all of these uh, actors' dicks look like. So, starting with, okay, starting with Sean Connery, feel like definitely not a shower, but as soon as it shows, you're like, God damn. <laughs> like, I was mistaken. Turtle, turtleneck? I was, yes. Like, I was mistaken, sir. I, I apologize. <laughs> feel like Nick I mean, he's Cage, also a huge man, so it's like, you gotta add some perspective there. Yeah, but like, still, like, even for that, you're like, whoa, that it was shocking. Um, Nick Cage feel like his dick very, very big flaccid which is always kind of weird and like kind of thin and like difficult getting hard like difficult to get and maintain you know now kind of, is but it when difficult it's there for, it's oscar worthy is it difficult for him to get it hard or is it difficult for an outsider to get it hard <laughs> why don't we just <laughs> he knows does, how to work his system does only was, he know how to work it i was gonna it? say yogurt on the, add the yogurt yeah he he is an expert on the hardware that he operates do you know what I'm saying? Everybody well, I'm sure else. he's clapped enough cheeks at this point, too. Like, you got to bring your A game. If yeah, you're gonna... like, you got to know. And he's like, I could have this done in 10 seconds. And like, this is going to be a whole ordeal if someone else is interacting with it. But like, <laughs> on the surface, though, incredibly impressive. But then you're like, ultimately disappointed. I need you to hit John Travolta last. But I also think that we are going to have our second podcast be Meredith describes celebrity genitals. And it'll just be you doing this for like 30 minutes an episode. I would super love that because I have a lot of opinions. Okay, so Travolta. Real Coke, real Coke can on that guy, I think <laughs> just like Chody is a motherfucker. Just like really Chody motherfucker. Yeah, like it's not it's not long, but it's like girthy. You know what I mean? To the point that it's almost like like the length wasn't going to be an issue. But like we need like a lot of lube in this situation because like this. I appreciate the uh, the penis evaluations. Prognostications. Yeah, those are prognostications. Those <laughs> are my completely. Completely factual, 100 percent accurate well-researched opinions about Sean Connery, Nick Cage, and John Travolta's genitalia. Meaty dorks. Yeah. <laughs> meaty dorks. Big, right. meaty cocks. Do, uh, do we want to do quotes and start to kind of tie this up? Yeah, I think we... I, unless there's other, like, really specific things that anyone has about the movie, I think we can probably... Go do watch it. it. It's amazing. Go watch there it. It's go. amazing. There's no boat chase. There is no boat chase. Which is... Which is weird because it's about... The water. I mean, it's like in the water. Well, it's about the rock. Well, yeah. it's about the rock. It's not about the water. Hard it's about to boat the rock. on rocks. <laughs> Actually, when you boat on rocks, there's usually just disaster. Yeah, it's bad news. Any any sea captain will tell you that. Meredith, do you have a quote for this film? As the guess, you could go first. I feel like everything that Sean Connery says is amazing, and everything Nick Cage says is amazing. So anything that they say at any point in this film is my favorite quote. Nick. I don't find it to be like a remarkably quotable movie. I I don't know. Like I said, this movie's fine. Um, but if I had to say something, I would just 
pick out the the hair cutting scene where like uh uh Sean Connery's getting his hair cut and by the peak 90s like flamboyant uh the worst gay stereotype of the mid 90s yeah and so Mason just asks am I out of style and Goodspeed just says unless you're a 20 year old guitarist from Seattle it's a grunge thing and it's like ah that line sucked actually every time he opened his mouth to talk about music I resented him (laughs) that's totally fair I my I got I got a Sean Connery one I got a cage one I'll do my cage first Uh, well I'm one of those fortunate people who like my job sir got my first chemistry set when I was seven blew my eyebrows off we never saw the cat again been into it ever since my Connery uh is um when they're it's just the two of them and they're about to go like raid the rock uh uh Sean Connery goes um your best losers losers always whine about the best Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. That was a great one. I loved that. Um, Sean, I need your help on this. Okay. Uh, who am I? Who am I? Uh... Oh, you are his uh, fiance. Oh, you didn't mean what you just said, did you? When? Just right now, when you were talking about bringing a child into the world and it being an act of cruelty. Well, I, I meant it at the time. Stanley, at the time, you said it seven and a half seconds ago. Well, gosh, kind of a lot has happened since then. <laughs> 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 really that's good a good line. line and of course you know when uh, when they're actually caught and in their cells you broke out let me see if i can get this straight down the incubator chute on the mine car through the tunnels to the power plant under the steam engine that was really cool by the way and into the cistern though the in, uh, through the intake pipe but how in the name of zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell i only ask because in our current situation well it could prove to be useful information, maybe. Just so many peak cage moments. That's when it re- he really starts to, like, cage out. Yeah, he, he turns it on in the latter half, for sure. There's one more. I need to just... When he's, you know, uh, disarming the last missile. Listen, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Stan Goodspeed, FBI. Uh, let's talk music. Do you like Elton John's song, Rocket Man? I don't like soft-ass shit. Oh, you. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, well. I only bring it up because, uh, it's you. You're the rocket man. And then launches a missile into the guy's chest. That was kind of rad. Which didn't kill him. Falling out of the building and then being impaled on a fence post kills him. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that's how that guy ended. That's like like the most gruesome missile. The missile probably did the work, but then he still had to impale the fucker. I love that. The missile (laughs) did the work. Speaking of people falling out of windows... Yeah, Ed Harris was robbing the place and like they were using non-lethal like uh, yeah, beanbags and they beanbag a guy, but then he gets thrown out a window and like down yeah. like <laughs> at least one floor yeah, and just like dies on the concrete. My, my note was good use of uh, non-lethal weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Michael Bay. Yeah. Good Thanks, shit. Michael Bay. So, I mean, I think that takes us to the, the end. You know, what do you guys think? Actually, that brought us back to the beginning. That's uh, true. It's a uh, no, it's it's of course The Rock. Yeah. I know you're kind of begrudging on that one, but... No, I mean, it's... They can't all be Bangkok dangerous. <laughs> I had to look to see what this was going to go up against just in case Bangkok dangerous would be a better matchup, but I think it's a disservice to everybody if we just start cheating and choosing things that way. The Rock is fine. No, it's not a bad movie. I'm not... 
anti the rock i'm just yeah i mean the rock is definitely like of an era it is strongly of an era and it is very of a specific moment in time and i think if you can just shut your brain off and not think about it critically you're like yeah that's usually not a problem for me (laughs) i mean look nick i wasn't gonna make assumptions and be like (laughs) you know nick how you always do yeah with my sandwiches and such yeah with sandwich with all of the sandwiches you eat like it's just it's a whole thing i will also say though lindy west who is a film critic and a really funny writer wrote like an essay about the rock and i highly recommend if you can find it definitely read it because it's a it's a delight it's just the best Mm. I don't do a lot of academic reading if I can avoid it. Especially not for this. This academic writing isn't so academic as much as basically just everything I said about The Rock she wrote down on paper. If you could get somebody to maybe just film it. Or record it on a podcast that you can listen to later. Mm-hmm. Actually, that you chime in on occasionally. That would literally not work because I don't listen to podcasts. Did, you listen to this podcast. Did Lindy West describe celebrity penises? Lindy West did not. And you know what? That's the X factor I bring. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, you got. Do you have anything else you want to plug, Meredith? Phrasing. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I know my audience and current and at the moment, the, my audience is my ex-wife. Um, I'm going to not take the bait on that one. If people want to see my misadventures in owning a house, they can check me out on Instagram at Lawn Daddy Lives Here. Great name. Thank you. Other than that, no, I would just encourage everybody to listen to this great podcast called Cage Match. Has these two great Ooh, folks on it, Sean and Nick. They're great. Peter's there as well. It's amazing. Thanks. I love it. Uh, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. Wow, doing all our work for us. Yeah, actually. So I'm really excited for uh, next time because we're finally watching the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, so people can finally stop yelling at us for not having seen that movie. Yeah, it's which like, would be really nice. I have limited time. We're doing unbearable weight of massive talent. That's a lot of words. And yep. what else, Peter? The Trust, which is uh, him and Elijah Wood, I think. Yeah. And they've got cool mustaches. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. And I think they do a heist. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're like um, time-traveling heistians. Uh, heistians? Yeah, who are pulling off mm-hmm. a job against... Uh, I think it was uh, Christy Yamaguchi. Yeah, I think you got it. That's perfect. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Please do rate, review, and subscribe. It is very helpful. It'd be great to have any other reviews other than Meredith, although that was a great one. We really appreciate it. I'll come find you at your house and make you write a review for this podcast. Don't think I won't do it. I have a lot of airline miles. Lawn Daddy is going to come for you. But not (laughs) enough to be here in person for the podcast. Yeah, what the fuck, Meredith? Yeah. Where are those air miles now? Look, I use them sparingly and only for vengeance purposes, Nick. This is for fun. If you <laughs> Thank want you for to, being here, Meredith. If, if you want to interact with us at all, you can find us on Reddit or Twitter or Instagram. But Reddit is probably the best one. That's at uh, Cage Match Pod. If you Nick's on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely butts and dicks there. Yeah. Uh, Not his, though, weirdly enough. No. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> Dear God, people. I'm trying to help you finish. <laughs> uh, You're trying to help a lot of people finish, Nick. That's your whole OnlyFans thing. <laughs> That's the whole point, right?
If you are interested in supporting us, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash cagematch. Uh, special thanks to our Sparkle Buddies, Josh, Sean, Josie, Rico, Matt, and Adam. And the special, special thanks to our Cage Dancers, a name we totally came up with ourselves, Ira and John. Meredith, thank you for being here. Thank you all for having me. I'm so sorry for everything I've done and said. That's not true. No, it's not. I, I have zero regrets. I have zero regrets. <laughs> uh, Nick, sing us out. Bye. Bye. I don't know the rest of that song. <laughs> That's the only important part. The part where my voice cracks like I'm still in puberty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so I just want to say this because I saw this and laughed. The assistant prop master was named Skip Crank. Man, you <laughs> never name. skip a crank. You can't skip yeah, you a crank. Up. Not yeah. on a Sunday. Woo. What is going on out there? Uh, lightning, we established. I know, but it's weird. It is weird. I'm not used to hearing, like, big thunder. Yeah. Y'all have been away. I'm scared. From, man, y'all have been away from the East Coast for too long. Well... I just shot maybe. I don't, big thunder, Peter. I don't know if either of you have ever lived in the East Coast. <laughs> Please don't call me Big Thunder. <laughs> I just want the listeners at home to know Sean has a tattoo on the back Nick, of his we don't need to do this. that says Tethered Virtue Peter. that's from a poem that he wrote when, when he, I was 17. When he was 17. Hold on, <laughs> I'm back in the conversation. <laughs> Let's not. When he was it had to do with an Inuit. Teen, and then and he has it tattooed on the back of his neck. It's beautiful. Like it is a beautiful script tattoo. But when I first met Sean ages ago, I like asked him about it and he was like, I don't want to talk about it. And then like several years later, I got the full story and I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I love it. Someday I'm gonna get a tattoo of Guy Fieri on my butt cheek. And it's just going to be his face, and it's going to say, Welcome to Flavortown around it. Perfect. Fuck yes. Hometown boy. It's the boy. perfect tattoo.